Hello, hello, and welcome to Flourish. I am your host, Nicolette. And I am Jules. Welcome back, guys. Today, we have a lovely guest named Tessa Hamilton. She is a nurse practitioner who specializes in psychiatry. Yes, and today we have asked her specifically to talk to us about ketamine, which is a drug that is being used as a an alternative form of therapy for depression and anxiety, PTSD, OCD, addiction. Yeah, the list goes on and on. Literally everyone could benefit from this form of ang- or not anxiety. <laughs> no one can benefit from anxiety. This form of therapy. She is very smart and we learned a lot today. Yes. And I feel like a lot of you are going to learn something new Mm -hmm. and probably be super excited, maybe hopeful for your future if you struggle with any of these things. So we hope you enjoy. Here's Tessa. Hi, Tessa. Hi. Welcome to Flourish. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. We're pumped to have you. Yeah. So excited. So we're going to just hop in to what we're going to be talking about. Introduce yourself first. Let us know. Let everyone know who you are. Everything about you. (laughs) In, uh, you know, in a snippet. Where do I begin? (laughs) Yeah, no. There's really not much to it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is so awkward. Okay, we can edit that out. (laughs) Um, okay. Well, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Okay. And a lot of people are like, what? Yes. (laughs) What is that? What does this mean? So I work in the Salt Lake City area and the psych nurse practitioner role includes med management and therapy. And so I work in an outpatient clinic Mm -hmm. and I provide, um, you know, psychiatric evaluations, therapy services, treatment planning, um, and how I kind of got into that was I was a registered nurse for years and okay. worked primarily in oncology. So hmm. I was a chemo nurse. Oh, wow. And yeah, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. That's but awesome. in that, I just felt very inadequate. Like I worked inpatient hospice. And so I was mm. helping people pass on, so hard. you know, from this world. Oh my gosh. And I just felt like, man... I don't have the tools to really mm-hmm. be there for them in the way that I would like to. Like I felt it, yeah. but I was like, it doesn't always land. I don't have the skills. And so decided to go back to school and just knew that it would be psychiatry that I wanted to cool. like talk to people about meaningful, really meaningful things, their lives, yeah. how they were going to thrive and build healthy relationships. And, and yeah, so graduated. How much longer is nurse practitioner than nursing? Yeah. So it's three years. Oh, wow. Um, it's a doctorate on top oh, of. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a doctorate degree um, just from the University of Utah. How actually. Cool. Yeah. So you're a big Love deal. Utah. I don't Love know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually really did um, enjoy the University of Utah. Yeah. Because the whole um, first year of our program was focused just on the therapy piece. And that's, that's really different than a lot of other programs because they really push 
medication, medication, medication. Yeah. And so I really liked that. Yeah, that is cool. That's yeah. nice to know. Yeah. That's like comforting to know that that's what yeah. they're kind yeah. of putting as their forefront. Yeah. Their program. That that's their focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when people become a nurse practitioner though, that's not always therapy related. No. And actually the, the University of Utah has... I think like eight different specialties now. Okay. Yeah. So you choose one. You choose one. Okay. You can do their family nurse practitioner program and then sort of specialize with experience. Hmm. Like as you get jobs, Mm -hmm. you just kind of get trained. Um, But they had, you know, the psych mental health. They have a neonatal. They have a midwife, like women's health. So they deliver babies. Yeah. And so it's pretty cool. That is. Yeah. And is that harder to get into than like nursing school like is it something that you have to like apply for yes yeah okay and it's a pretty rigorous like application you have to write an essay you have to take a couple writing tests Mm -hmm. interview Mm -hmm. yeah because can't you I mean I don't want to say this and like bother doctors (laughs) but can't you kind of do most of the things yeah like you can prescribe Mm -hmm. I mean you're kind of a doctor I almost like kind of prefer it yes I like yeah. I love to see nurse yeah. practitioners yeah I feel like they usually spend more time with me I feel like they kind of care more I know I'm yeah. gonna get no mad at us, no but that's kind no. of how I feel like I'm excited to see like a PA or a nurse practitioner mm-hmm. like I yeah. feel like it's awesome I don't think it's not uncommon that I hear that actually yeah and one thing that I will say is that I would agree with you to an extent however I've been extremely lucky that the doctors that I've worked with um, especially the psychiatrist that I've worked with, it seems like that's changing really? a little bit. Um, that there is now more of a focus on like the human side of things. Yeah. But I do hear that a lot. That yeah. um, that nurse practitioners especially seem to really focus on the person, mm-hmm. maybe more so than other providers. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. The nursing background, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh, you know, just like that's a good way to think you're here it. at the bedside, like doing everything for that person, and so think that mentality carries at least it did yeah, for me that's a good it point. carries forward yeah that's yeah, really interesting awesome. um tell us like a few little things about like where did you grow up yeah how old are you I had to think about that for a second okay. I'm, I'm 31 years old okay yeah okay so I'm originally from Idaho okay cool. um I grew up with a psychologist mom and a cattle rancher father. So it was this very, (laughs) very interesting upbringing. Uh, It's sometimes I think like, yeah, when I think of who I am, I'm like, yeah, that's why is because I was Mm -hmm. raised by these two really polar opposite, polar opposite. So different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of fun though. It is. I like that. Yeah. And then came to Utah for school and then I've stayed Yes. And here I am. And here we are. Here you are <laughs> yeah. in our little studio. Yes, and I love it. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about ketamine today. Yes. Which I think most people are hearing mm-hmm. that and they're probably like, what the heck yeah, like, is that? What is it? Yeah. So give us a brief on like, what is ketamine? Mm-hmm. The like basics. Yes. Yep. I think a really good place to start would be to understand that Well, at least I felt this way. When I left grad school, you sort of have this standard psychiatry. And that's probably what a lot of people know. You go to the doctor Mm -hmm. and they prescribe you an antidepressant or you go to a talk therapist Mm -hmm. and you do that. That's kind of, that's been the options essentially. 
And then you sort of have this other category of, I don't know if alternative is the right word, but newer uh, treatments. And especially when we're talking about depression, like Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys have heard of like electric convulsive therapy, ECT. Yes. You know, you see it in like one flew over the cuckoo's Mm -hmm. nest, like all those older movies. Or there's even TMS, which is like... I would say like a softer version of ECT, a lot less side effects. Okay. And so one thing that really excited me when I was applying for jobs Mm -hmm. was that there were a lot of clinics now, especially here in the Salt Lake City area, that are offering sort of these alternative treatments. Yes. And one of them is ketamine. Okay. Yeah. And so actually, I've told Nicolette a little bit about it here Mm -hmm. and there, and she's like, what? Yes. (laughs) So shocked. And I want to just preface with also saying I have only heard of ketamine in the sense of like a horse tranquilizer yeah and nothing to do with like a therapeutic yeah at all I just knew it is like a drug yeah like it could be like a party drug or (laughs) yeah it can it can be a party drug party drug Mm -hmm. yeah and um like for anesthesia like can be Mm -hmm. used for to put you out right yeah that's exactly right all I've known of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so interesting when you start talking about ketamine is that it is all of those things. Mm -hmm. So that's what's really unique about this medication, which brings up a really good point of it is used all the time and Mm -hmm. it's relatively safe. And so that's one reason that I really like it. And I'm so willing to talk to patients about it because we use it across the board in a lot of different settings. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And it's been used for years and years and years. So yeah. people really understand the science yeah. of it. And especially because I think they've been using it since like the 1960s for anesthesia. Okay. And then since about like 2000 in the realm of mental health, maybe not in the way that we're using it now, but mm-hmm. they were kind of starting to dip their toes in and see oh, that's a long time. how it can yeah yeah I didn't yeah. realize that they've been using it as treatment yeah. in some way or another for that long yeah that's pretty cool I think it was initially like patients with psychosis so schizophrenia but then they started noticing that there were mood benefits like hmm. people were happier and so yeah. they really started yeah. researching in mental health so then maybe I guess to just take a step back so ketamine is a, a drug mm-hmm. that is currently being used I guess, or used in depression for people with depression or I guess anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I would say primarily treatment resistant depression is the use. However, we're using it in a lot of different areas more than just treatment resistant depression. Okay. But that's probably what it's known for in the mental health realm. And when I say treatment resistant depression... That's what I was going to ask. That's a lot of people think like, oh man, that must mm-hmm. be someone who's just non-functional. No, it's really, if you've tried two different antidepressants, SSRIs specifically, Zoloft, Prozac, Lexapro, and you have not had a, a, a good response, mm-hmm. maybe you've had like a partial or none, then we would say, well, that person has treatment resistant depression. So that doesn't take very long yeah. to achieve that sort right. of label that we give right. it, you know? Right. Yeah. And basically, this is just, this is a great way for someone who doesn't want to be thrown medication, correct? Like a pill that they're going to need to be on forever Mm -hmm. to fix them. Yeah. 
or to just put a Band-Aid over the issue. This is kind of like a, not a natural necessarily way of yeah therapy, but in a sense, it's like an alternative yeah. route. And, and I think you were right to correct that because it's not natural. I mean, it is a synthetic, mm-hmm. um, it's a disassociative anesthetic that's synthetic. So mm-hmm. it's not like cannabis or, you right. know, and... It is a, a drug. It is a drug. Yeah. And... We put it in the category of psychedelics, but it still is like a synthetic medication. It's not like psilocybin or shrooms or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. But, um, but we are able to reach different pathways in the brain. So cool. Which is really cool. Um, primarily when we treat depression, just because we're talking about that specifically right Mm now, we use serotonin agents. And that can have a lot of side effects for people. Right. Sexual dysfunction, appetite changes, um, dry mouth, different things. And the response rate, 40, 50%, you know? So it's yeah. like... Are you talking about like a actual the pill? pill yeah. yeah. So, for depression. Exactly. So I'm talking to people and I'm saying, look, you know, we can start you on this medication that may curb some of your symptoms. And for half the people that we put, it works. And, and then sometimes it just won't for you. Yeah. But with ketamine, in we can use it in different ways in conjunction with therapy or TMS. And we're seeing much higher response rates, like 70, 80%. Wow. And that's pretty cool. That's a big deal. Without, yeah. and our, without those side effects from yeah. the pill. Like, exactly. With, your, with um, really relatively few side effects. Wow. Yeah. And so this is given, I mean, I assume like in your office? Yes. Or, yes. Like, it is in done clinic? in the clinical setting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. There Through are IV? IV or an injection. Okay. So just like in your deltoid, your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and some clinics, I mean, that's actually a really good point that you bring up. The clinic that I work at does both. Okay. And that's kind of tricky to determine with the patient, what one do we do? Because the bioavailability, what that means is mm-hmm. how much medication is actually getting to the brain is very similar between the two. Oh. But with between IV. Both methods of. Yeah. Okay. So if you give them an injection mm-hmm. or you start an IV and you hang like a little saline bag mm-hmm. with the medication mm-hmm. and just drip it in, um, the same amount of medication is about getting to the brain. Okay. So, but with IV, you can drip it in a lot slower mm-hmm. and maybe be in more control of the experience, I would say. But there are clinics that do just one or they do both. And right now we don't know enough to say what's better. Right. Okay. Because they both basically do the same thing. Yeah, basically. The the flavor of the experience while you're getting the medication Mm -hmm. is probably going to be a little different. But the medication... The medication's benefits will be the same. But that actually brings up a really good point. What is ketamine? And one thing that I really like to talk to my patients about is you almost have to think of ketamine as like a twofold option. Okay. One piece of it is that it is a medication, it's an NMDA receptor antagonist, Mm -hmm. it's going to the brain, and it's actually working on different areas of the brain. And so we're seeing like one thing that it does is it decreases rumination or it increases the neuroplasticity. So the activity between your neurons. And so you can build new connections or, 
you know, it goes to other areas of the brain and it can kind of help wipe away patterns so you can build new patterns oh interesting and it's we're actually repairing yeah it's kind of giving you like a fresh, a fresh slate start. interesting and then it decreases depressive symptoms and stress wow. and so it's almost like great you're feeling yeah it is <laughs> great because then you're feeling better and so it's easier to do like new habits that yes. you've been thinking of doing <laughs> but wow. haven't really been able to yep so that's sort of the medication side of things. Yes. But then, and this is kind of confusing unless you've done it, because it is a disassociative anesthetic. Yeah. So what that means is we can put it in the category of a psychedelic. You will most likely have some form of a disassociative experience while you're receiving the medication. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And what that means is you may feel like you leave your body you may have like a right. out of body experience and that actually ties back into im so an injection or iv you have more control over how much disassociation someone may experience right. if you do iv right cuz you can slow the medication down yeah. if they start mm-hmm. to reach a deeper mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. And they don't like it. I was going to say, it's probably scary for some yeah, people. Yeah, it can they've be. they've never experienced it before, and then all of a sudden they're having yeah. these thoughts right. or experiences that they've never yeah. had before. Yeah, it can be. If you're not properly prepared, yeah. I think it can be really scary, actually. Do you stay, like, is somebody in the room yeah. with them all the time? Yeah, so I I can only really speak to what our clinic is doing. Okay. Um, you're met by a provider who preps you, talks to you about dosing, and kind of helps you determine the dose and what that dose may feel like compared to a different mm-hmm. dose. Um, they talk to you about your reasons for being there, which can help us determine what dose is appropriate. And then the whole time you're monitored by a medical assistant, a trained professional who knows kind of the journey of psychedelics mm-hmm. and disassociative experiences. Right. And so that brings a lot of comfort to people. Yeah. And can really provide for a better experience when you know that you've got people right there that you can ask questions to and they can kind of guide you through. Right. It. So to rewind to yeah. who, who does this benefit? Like mm-hmm. for people who are listening, who is this for? Like yeah. what kind of symptoms do people need to have or that could benefit from this? Yeah. That's... <sighs> That's a good question. And it's it's like I don't have a complete one yet because I think we're still figuring it out yeah. somewhat. But I would say the the kind of accepted on-label use of ketamine would be for treatment-resistant depression and suicidal ideation. Okay. And actually, I've had a lot of success for people who are having suicidal thoughts really and they come in for even just one injection and it really does like curb those thoughts that's crazy so yeah so those two indications are the primary ones however we are seeing so much benefit in a lot of other areas me especially um ptsd I have a few therapists that I work with um, and we kind of combine forces and I'll do ketamine and they'll do really intensive therapy with our mutual patients. And Mm -hmm. it's been amazing to watch. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 
So it could be a variety of, it's mm-hmm. not just for someone with depression. No. And do you link depression and anxiety in the same, like, do you treat people that just feel like they have severe anxiety or do you feel like that's not, I feel like they're so hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. And most often I'm asking, you know, when you're treating someone, my patients all the time are like, Tess, <laughs> I can't tell you just about anxiety or just my depressive symptoms because one causes the other right. or at my head's just a friggin' mess and they're all just in there <laughs> and I don't know. And it's just like, you know, we're just treating it all. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And most people have both. Right. Yeah. Cause when you don't feel good, you can't go to work. You can't, yeah. that causes so much anxiety. Oh, yes. totally. You know, the stress. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So with you explaining that ketamine can create new pathways, wipe away, Mm -hmm. kind of clean your brain for new, better habits and thoughts, does something like a depression medication do the same thing or does that more put a bandaid over those things? Does it, does a medication fix your brain like that or is ketamine way cooler because it's doing (laughs) it is way cooler cooler. no you know what you bring up a really good point and I actually I was just talking to a patient about this yesterday I got my whiteboard out and we were kind of drawing his journey towards wellness right and we kind of drew Mm -hmm. this little like arrow and underneath we were kind of plugging in like the interventions that we were doing that sort of numbed symptoms or helped give him new coping mechanisms or tools, things that it's, it makes it easier to live, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really change you as a person. Yep. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that, I mean, I use medications all the time yeah. for patients when I feel like it's appropriate. And those and can change people's lives. They can Absolutely. if they help you live life a mm-hmm. little easier. So then it helps you to get to a higher plane or state to where you then can make significant changes in your life. Yeah. I, and maybe this is just my personal opinion, I tend to put ketamine on this higher plane, maybe more so with therapy, because I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Yeah. I'm like, look, if you want to make changes, you got to get with a good therapist. (laughs) You got to work through some crap. You got to work through some crap. (laughs) And if you want to be different than you are, it's really hard to change Mm -hmm. and you really need someone coaching you and saying, Hey, yeah, remember how we were working on this? Well, Mm -hmm. let's plug it into this situation in your life and really practice Mm -hmm. being different and new. Yeah. And I think that's why ketamine is so interesting to me is because it feels more like that. Yes. (laughs) Like let's, let's from a higher plane, like a top down kind of way, change your lens help you to develop new patterns and be different. Yes. And then maybe you won't need the medication to numb symptoms because Mm -hmm. you will have a new lens. You won't have this depression, anxiety in the same way that you did before. Does um, using ketamine, do you have your patients both have talking therapy sessions and the ketamine, does that go hand in hand? It can. Okay. Yeah. So is what you're meaning like someone's on the ketamine and they're talking? Yes. Yes. It can happen. Okay. In our clinic, we really do have it more separated. Okay. So every patient that comes in for ketamine, um, it's an hour long appointment. Okay. 
and we we prep them and then they're kind of on the medication anywhere from 25 to 40 minutes afterwards when they're still partially feeling the effects of medication i like to go in and just ask them what'd you feel what'd you see tell me more what else uh what do you feel right now in your body what do you think this means what can we take from this? And I just write, 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 write. And then I actually give that to them. Oh, wow, cool. that's good. And then I, most of my patients, when we agree that ketamine is an avenue that we would like to go down, I'm like, okay, who's your therapist? I want to talk to them. Mm. And we try to coordinate so that they come in for ketamine and then the next day they're mm. meeting with their therapist. That makes sense. Oh, wow. Yeah. Help kind of process. Yeah. All the and things. why not make like take advantage of that neuroplasticity? Yeah. If you're looking to be different, let's do it when your brain is like primed and mm-hmm. ready to go. Totally prepped. Yeah. Totally prepped and ready. Yes. But I do know that a lot of clinics, especially you know, golly, I listened to a podcast the other day of a clinic in California that they actually do therapy while someone is under and kind of feeling, even when they're a little bit... Guide them through it. Yeah, yeah, guide them through it. And then, but it's different. You're probably not going to do the normal talk therapy things like heavy processing and different things it's more exploratory Mm, i would say okay so but it can and i think it's super fascinating super yeah super interesting i was looking at our notes and i saw that you said that it can also treat eating disorders ocd yeah trauma addiction chronic pain Mm -hmm. which holy cow is that i feel like literally anyone and everyone could say i have that or i have that so that's a wide variety. It of, is a wide variety. Is it that is. because of the rewiring kind of process? Like yeah. resurfacing? And maybe, yes. And maybe a bit of the therapeutic side of things, like the disassociative trance-like state that you're going to have on this medication. A lot of people describe feeling like they can hear their inner voice and they kind of gain wow. insights. And hmm. so that's probably why it can help with a wide array of issues do we I mean struggles human conditions yeah Yeah. you know things that people struggle with is because with the ketamine it's really assisting you to tap into your kind of own inner healer is what we like to call it your own inner voice that really knows kind of deep down what you need to be Mm -hmm. better and to thrive yeah so who should not get ketamine are there people that are at risk and should not Mm -hmm. you would turn away yeah yeah so it used to be that individuals who had a history of psychosis really were not treated with ketamine okay but now as more research is coming to the forefront what we're finding is that really it's more like acute psychosis so if they're in psychosis then definitely we don't want to treat them with something that's going to disassociate them right even more makes sense but if they have a history or they have a family history there might be some leeway we just would have to be really careful they would need to be really mindful and maybe the provider would stay throughout the entire visit and just be very careful but then that brings up a good question of like well then why why are they doing it Mm -hmm. is there a real reason for them to do this medication, is there something else that might be better? So we yeah. probably lean towards something else. Um, really, I mean, we talked about this earlier. Ketamine doesn't have a lot of side effects, but 
the immediate side effects. So maybe while you're on the ketamine, yeah. it maybe will raise your blood pressure a little bit. Okay. And can cause nausea. So mm. if someone has like uncontrolled heart issues, they're not currently being treated with medication, mm-hmm. then I would say probably best mm. to avoid ketamine. Yeah. yeah. Probably not worth the risk. Sure. Okay. Um, and then of course pregnancy. Yeah. It's not, not studied. Not enough in, known. No. Not enough known. Can Just you, like most of our medications. Yeah. yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Can you be on depression medication and still receive yes. ketamine? Yes. And that's that's actually the really exciting thing about yeah. ketamine. When you look at other psychedelic medications like psilocybin, MDMA, people usually have to get off of their psychiatric medications in order to do those. Oh. Even ayahuasca. So I've had a few patients that have gone to Peru to do ayahuasca retreats mm-hmm. and they have to go through a very rigorous like That's cleansing, detox. Yeah, detox process, even yeah. diet, dietary changes <gasps> and getting off medications. And uh, with ketamine, we can keep people on their medications and they can do this in conjunction with it. So that's really cool. Takes away the stress and anxiety that someone might feel adding (laughs) on to their already stress and anxiety of like, oh shoot, I have to get off this and be okay being off this to now hopefully use ketamine and maybe it will work. Yeah. So it totally takes away the the pressure and the anxiety. It does. And, but the exciting thing is that actually just yesterday got another patient off of their antidepressant because of the Mm, ketamine treatments that he's doing. Mm. So we're able to maintain them on them, which you're right. I think offers peace of mind. Yes. But then what they're finding is like, oh my gosh, I feel better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's try getting off this medication and see what happens. They build confidence, you know, I'm not sure if you said, so I know we said that typical like antidepressant medications work on the serotonin mm-hmm. in your brain, like try to increase Serotonin receptors, yeah. yeah. What does the ketamine trigger? Yeah. Well, so that or one's tricky. Like a lot of things? It's a lot of things. Okay. So we're still learning uh, all of the different receptors or even just brain areas that ketamine works on, but it's an NMDA, NMDA receptor antagonist, and that works with GABA in the okay. brain. But then it can go to different areas of the brain and really work on those different things. I mean, I have a list, but <laughs> you, it's kind you of fit boring. Right in. You fit right <laughs> in here. over we, here. Yeah. We love our list. Yeah. So, like, it works with the lateral habenular, which is kind of the anti-reward center of the brain. Okay. Okay. And so it decreases that. And that is kind of what we're hypothesizing helps with stress. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had quite a few patients that they'll come back uh, a week after they had their treatment and they're like, you know, I did feel like way less stressed and like <laughs> things that would have set me off Mm -hmm. happened this week and I was fine like I handled it okay so that's interesting that's kind of the area that we think you know it Mm -hmm. works with BDNF which essentially means neuroplasticity so what we were saying of like the neurons are active Mm -hmm. they're ready to make new connections and that 
is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's I think like that's a reset button. Yeah. It truly is. Yeah. Or like, Hey, new perspective. Or... Yeah. Remember how you've been wanting to exercise and you mm-hmm. just haven't had the motivation or the brain space. And it's like a lot of people are finding that Here easier. You go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start it now. That's cool. And then it works with like the limbic and cortical areas. And so that can decrease rumination. Um, kind of like rebooting your computer. And, and I think, and again, this is just a guess, but it's like, I wonder if that's the piece of like the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I've had quite a few patients that are like, I just feel more flexible in my thinking. <laughs> wow. And anxiety is a very rigid way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people feel really stuck mm-hmm. when they're anxious. I mean, I had a patient message me this morning that was just like, Ugh, and she just felt so stuck all night long, could not reduce her anxiety. And it's just such a rigid Mm -hmm. way of thinking. And so I think that's how ketamine sort of helps people feel this more flexibility is their, their anxiety has decreased. How nice is that? Yeah. (laughs) So great. Anxiety takes up so much brain space Mm -hmm. and you're not left with much else. No, no. Yeah. How many, does it vary patient by patient? How many, um, treatments of ketamine Mm -hmm. you need? Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that's a little I don't want to say discouraging about ketamine. Okay. Is it's not a long-term solution. Okay. So, so it's not something you do like once a month for the rest of I mean, you could. Forever, you I could. Guess. I mean, we don't have a lot of data on long-term effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you could um especially when done in the clinical setting and not every day what we're seeing is that there's not a lot of side effects or risk, mm-hmm. which but, is wonderful, which is wonderful. Yeah. I like to talk to patients about it as, as sort of let's throw whatever we can at, you know, whatever it is that you're kind of hoping to resolve here. So, you know, lately I've been working with quite a few patients who struggle with pornography. I don't even like to use the word addiction, but this kind of, um, emotional pattern, this habit, this Mm -hmm. kind of emotional coping mechanism, right? Yeah. And so what are we going to throw at this in addition to the ketamine? Because ideally we would just do a short-term series. So more commonly we have people that come for six treatments Okay. okay. and maybe the first three they'll come every week because that's when about, well, after about a week is when the medication's effects really start to wear off. So you'll okay. start to feel like maybe a little more depressed again. You'll feel less flexible in your thinking. So initially, maybe come once a week. And then with a few of my patients, what we've been doing lately is, well, let's see if we can go two weeks so the remaining three treatments can stretch out over you know a month and a half mm-hmm. because it is not covered by insurance. And so, right. so you want to make the most of it um, while you're doing and it. And basically, you want to get to the point of where hopefully you just need six treatments and mm-hmm. we can work through all yeah. those issues yeah. and you're basically set free in your mind and yeah. you're, you've been given all the tools and you're kind of <laughs> healed. Yeah, like essentially, let's use it as a springboard to get you on this path okay. and right. get you to a point where okay, I think I can do this without the boost from the ketamine. Like you kind of get to this higher plane where it's easier to keep walking. Like we get the ball rolling. Yes. Mm -hmm. But now it's rolling and it has momentum. And so you can kind of do it Hmm. 
you're on your own yes after that but you know i've had people come for one one and they felt like you know that was what i needed um and then we have some other patients who like you said they're coming once a month Mm -hmm. as like a booster and they feel like you know that's what i need to keep going and it works well for them so it really is specific to each individual so say someone wants to come get ketamine yeah Let's walk through the whole process of yes. like, first of all, where do they find a ketamine provider? Mm-hmm. Where should they start looking? Like, what would you be, how would someone find you? Like, what do they Google? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I actually work um, at a clinic called Cedar Psychiatry. Okay. So that is where I work. We have multiple locations, um, but an individual really can just Google ketamine in utah and read reviews of different clinics and really you know read the bios of the providers that work there and see if you like um the modalities that they're trained in and their Mm -hmm. focus and and read reviews about different providers um what it typically looks like i can speak to our clinic specifically but i know that a lot of other clinics are similar yeah you would make an appointment with a provider so um, with me or one of the other providers in the clinic, mm-hmm. and you would have a typical um, intake or what we call them psychiatric evaluation. Okay. They're going to be asking you history questions, medical history, family history, social history, getting your mental health background. What meds have you tried? What, and is this in the first appointment? First appointment. Okay. Yeah. Those appointments are typically an hour long. And during that time, you're going to be talking about you know, symptoms and your kind of journey through mental health and what you've tried. And we're going to be ruling out things to make sure that we're Mm. dialing in pretty close to, uh, an accurate diagnosis. I hate, I hate that word. Yeah. Um, yeah. The DSM five is a little difficult for me because you cannot go there and say, well, PTSD, anxiety, and even begin to understand someone, but it's the best word or descriptor that we have right now so sure so you dial they dial in on a diagnosis and then they'll talk to you about any treatment option that may be of benefit to you and and that's where you know talking about ketamine comes into play if that provider feels like it's something that is a good fit for you or if you have been coming to the clinic to seek that out Mm -hmm. then you'll have that conversation then it sort of depends you know how much time did you have to talk about it. Do you need to come in for a follow-up appointment to prep, ask your questions so that you can feel really confident and have the tools that you need to be prepared for the experience? And so that's kind of up to the provider and patient as to whether another visit is needed. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, especially lately, I've actually had a lot of people that are like, I'm here for ketamine. (laughs) And they like like, know it. They know. They've researched it. They know that's what they want to do. And if I feel like, you know what, there's nothing keeping you from this that's mm-hmm. not safe, let's move forward. Let's give it a shot and see if we can really help you achieve these goals that you have for yourself. And so essentially they can schedule a ketamine appointment. And walk us through what an appointment yeah. from start to finish looks like if we were to come. Yes. Like, what does that look like for yes. us as a patient? Yeah. So... 
you'll come into the clinic and obviously check in at the front desk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a medical assistant will actually take you back to a ketamine room. Mm -hmm. So that is different than the office that you meet with the provider in. Mm -hmm. Um, we, the way that our ketamine rooms are set up is it's dimmed lighting. So we want to create cozy, cozy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, and it does make a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. Anyone that's done any psychedelic will tell you that the setting is huge. Mm -hmm. So we have a specific room with dimmed lighting, um, reclining chairs. Yes. So you'll sit down Lovely. in the reclining chair and get cozy and comfy. And then a medical assistant will check your vital signs. So blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen, make sure that, you know, everything's good there. And then we do pre-treat with Zofran. Because one of the most common immediate effects is nausea. Mm -hmm. But really, we don't have a lot of patients who experience... Interesting. Yeah. yeah, that. So, but we do always treat with Zofran. Yeah. And then typically what happens next is the provider comes in and talks, you know, about goals, talks to you about dosing. Um, most common dose that we start out with is 0.5 milligrams per kilogram much less like that's like a 20th of what they use when they put you under for a procedure oh yeah yeah so you're not um gonna be out no 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 that's good yeah that's good. yeah and then at that point I always recommend to patients okay get into a right headspace mm -hmm. so do some deep breathing you might even think about an intention a simple one you mm -hmm. know help me combat my depression or help me find more joy if you want to turn it to a more positive mm -hmm. uh, phrase. And then I'm going to give you these headphones and mm -hmm. we're going to have you listen to really calming, guided music, usually no lyrics. Mm -hmm. And we'll get you into really good headspace. We're going to have you sit back, put your feet up, really try to get comfortable so that there's no distraction to prevent you from having a really good deep experience. Yeah. At that point, we would then dose you with the medication. Mm -hmm. I would say that majority of our patients do just do the injection in their shoulder. IVs, I think, can create a little bit of stress. Mm -hmm. It's not fun to have someone start an IV yeah. no, on you. No. And then if they miss and you have to get poked again, it's sort stress. of, mm -hmm. it's stressful. Kind of the Ruins exact the opposite. Experience. The exact opposite mm -hmm. of what we're trying to provide. <laughs> so I want people ready, though. Mm -hmm. I want them listening to their music, relaxed, breathing deeply, ready to go. Because surprisingly, ketamine hits you pretty fast. Okay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So like within... Like a minute. Oh, we're yeah. like in it. Where you're like in you're it. In it. Which <laughs> is funny because, and actually, I think I told Nicolette this, I actually did ketamine a few weeks ago. Really? So I want to hear your I, experience. Yeah, we're going to have to talk yeah, about We'll have to talk about that. Yes. It's funny. Well, for the longest time, I thought, well, I don't need to. Mm -hmm. I don't need to. I don't have anything that I'm really looking to explore. Uh, but I actually, now that I've done it, think, man the way that I've been educating people about it has slightly changed or, or maybe it hasn't, but it feels more personal to me. Yeah. So I thought, well, okay, five to seven minutes is when you're going to start filling the medication. I felt like I felt it instantly. That's wild. That is yeah. crazy. Like I went to a, a different outpatient clinic than the one that I work at and 
they gave me the injection and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm glad that I had the music already going because I you was You were already gone. there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was gone. So. How wild. Yeah. So then, you know, you're kind of in this state. <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll call it. Yeah. For 25 to 40 minutes. And it depends on age, metabolism, mm-hmm. dose, different things like that. And then the last 10 or 15 minutes of the hour, hour and 15 long appointment, you're calm and you still feel a little out of sorts. Like, oh man, if I stood up, I might feel a little funky, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Um, But you're awake. You Mm -hmm. can talk. You can answer questions. You feel really calm like you don't want to. At least I did. Yeah. Um, But then after that, you know, after an hour, hour and 15, you're able to stand up um obviously you have to have a ride home okay we we make everyone have a ride home um so we we walk you out to your car and then you're able to go home and sort of take it easy for the next hour or two but then really the medication wears off after that point after a couple hours yeah you can resume yeah you can kind of resume normal (laughs) um now do I want people getting back into work, stress, watching TV shows, no. vegging? Like, they're, no, I, I definitely recommend let's extend the therapeutic piece of this as long as we can. So mm-hmm. be careful what you watch. Be careful mm-hmm. of the music Triggers, that you listen yeah. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just try to bring as much peace into your life so that you can listen to your voice, your inner voice, and think about the experience and journal about it and try to integrate some of the insights that you may have gained from it yeah. into your life right away. Yeah. Let's get going on this, you know? And then they get to feel those, like you said, those effects of of that relief for about a week. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, which is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Do you recommend people close their eyes? Yes. <laughs> Yo, that's... Well, and I recommend that really strongly now because, I mean... I'm imagining that you guys have both like meditated yes, and done. Totally. Have you guys ever done a sense like a sensory deprivation tank? Never. No. Okay. I want to. It's really fascinating. Yeah. So I maybe I should just talk about my ketamine. Okay, yes, we go through the full experience. Yeah, I'm ready. Because my next question was going to be like, what can someone expect to experience? Yeah. During their treatment. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely talk about what I experienced and then maybe share some of my other patients, like what they've described to me. Mm -hmm. So like I said, they dosed me with the medication and I had a really beautiful playlist already going that I had like Mm pre-planned. And I had noise canceling headphones on and something over my eyes. And Mm -hmm. so it was completely black. Okay. And pretty instantly, I felt like I was falling backwards mentally is the only way. You see, words aren't enough. I'm sure it's so hard to explain. It's so hard to explain. But I felt like I was falling backwards mentally, but I didn't feel sick. Okay. But then there was this moment where I was in space. (laughs) That's the only way I can describe it, but it was completely black. And then there were like little white lights. And I almost felt this kind of feeling of anxiety like coming up in my chest like oh man I'm not in control anymore and I didn't like that Uh but then I thought okay Tess you know you know (laughs) how to do this yeah Mm -hmm. so just deep breathe so Mm -hmm. I just like breathe in for four out for six 
And at that moment, it was like the music came in even stronger and was just like carrying me away. And I remember having this thought, and I don't know at what point I started thinking again, but because <laughs> I was kind of gone there for a minute. Yeah. I couldn't feel my body at all. Wow. Really? Yeah. Like numb's was not the right word. Floating? Was it out of body? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was definitely not in the room anymore. Wow. I was somewhere else. And I, you lose all sense of time. So I couldn't even <laughs> tell you when I really started to have more of an active, like, inner mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. But I remember having this thought of, man, I used to practice yoga regularly. And I went to this wonderful studio that had dimmed lighting and no mirrors, wonderful music. And I would feel at such peace afterwards, like during our meditation or shavasana at the end. And I remember having this thought of, I have felt this before. So I'm Hmm. on the ketamine. I'm feeling at complete peace. The music is surrounding me. And I just felt like I didn't have a lot of other sensations that were distracting me from this like inner experience. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, this is like a sensory deprivation tank. Interesting. So that's a long way of answering your question of, do I think it's important that people cover their eyes? Yes. Because I think if you had even a little bit of light or like the crack under the door or different things, I think it would distract you in like a sensory way and keep you from being totally internal. Yeah, just present. Yeah. Do you know if like necessarily you would hallucinate? Like if you would see if your eyes were open? I don't know. I wonder if anyone's ever really done like, it. I feel like a natural reaction would be to close your eyes. I, yeah, but you know what's funny is I have one patient who they're open. No. Really? And I'm like, close your eyes. Yeah. Close like, your eyes. Please. Let me cover your eyes. Like, this isn't right. You know? Uh, but yes, I think the natural reaction is to close your eyes. And, you know, I have had some people who I know that have used shrooms mm-hmm. um, in a therapeutic sense I've also had people use them in a party sense like a recreational sense yeah yeah and a lot of people get spooked by the hallucinations yes and that you're literally seeing things that like aren't there and things are doing things that aren't really happening so with ketamine do you feel like people complain or make comments about like strange even Mm. with their eyes closed are there weird things happening that can cause fear a little oh most definitely okay yeah okay Uh, but I think I think more fear happens when you just weren't prepared in the right way yeah because and I've explained this to patients we don't always know what's gonna come up Mm -hmm. right so you just don't so for me I was in space. I felt, I know, (laughs) and I was at such peace. Mm -hmm. I felt so peaceful and I was having active thoughts and I thought about work and relationships and different things that had already been on my mind. Things that, you know, I'm processing currently came into my mind. But I've had other patients who they were like, man, I was in a room. I was in a house. I was in my childhood home. But everything was one color. (laughs) And... Kyle, I had another patient who she struggles with severe, severe anxiety, crippling. And Mm -hmm. we really think that it started after the unfortunate loss of her sister to cancer in a very 
tragic sudden way, yeah. tragic way and she was wrapped she said I, she could see herself she was separate from it but she could see herself and she was wrapped in a ball of yarn and it was very wow. very vivid wow yeah so and she said i kind of constricting and yeah. she pulled at it so she was pulling at the yarn which constricted yeah. it even more right and she said i felt every time i tugged at it i got constricted and i felt trapped and she said i realized that the yarn was my anxiety wow and she said i realized i had this thought of hey stop pulling at it mm-hmm. let's wow. try that mm-hmm. and so she saw herself stop pulling at it and she said the yarn started loosening up and then it started falling off my body wow and she said and then that's when i knew that i needed to calm the down <laughs> And yes. she's like, and she's like, things that you've been telling me for four months yeah. that I knew, hey, just quit being anxious. Quit yep. going down those rabbit holes with mm-hmm. those thoughts that are causing you anxiety. They don't serve you any purpose. Mm-hmm. And she said, but this time I felt it. She almost, I mean, she visualized yeah, it. Yeah, she visualized it and she felt it like well up in her body, inside her, this like overwhelming like, feeling of like, letting go, let it go. And so then she felt like throughout the following weeks that it was easier to Mm -hmm. let go because she said, I felt it in my body with the ketamine. Hmm. Not just like one of those Mm -hmm. fleeting thoughts of, I should do that. That's good for me. We all have those. Mm -hmm. Of course. But she was like, no, I felt this is what I need to do. And I think the body is so connected to the brain. I mean, we talk about that brain body connection Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you feel things in a somatic body-based way, it is easier to have more meaning behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah. So you can definitely have See. vast, I mean, we call it content. Yeah. So earlier, you know, we talked ketamine's like a medication, but then this other piece is this trance-like state that you can have, like we're saying, while you're on the medication. And it can just be so many different things content it can be feelings yeah it can be words it can be you know one of my patients was like I always just feel peace that's the only thing that she feels she doesn't see anything wow yeah yeah it doesn't sound bad exactly (laughs) but then I have people who visually can have visual content Mm -hmm. um, either viewing themselves or like I say they're in a child at home or just seeing shapes colors Hmm. i have one patient who she's so wonderfully art artful minded Mm -hmm. she's creative and she'll like draw and paint for the following week after of Hmm. sort of what the ketamine was it's so cool that's way cool and it'll be like yellows and pinks and different colors that she like saw while she was using ketamine would you say that majority of the people that you treat have a good experience i would say that they're not left feeling like scared, scared or, or yeah more anxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say yes. Majority of our patients have a really positive experience and they leave feeling very peaceful. Mm-hmm. I've had a few who, maybe two in the last year, who had a panic attack mm-hmm. because of the content that they were seeing. But then we were able to sort of debrief, bring themselves 
back to their body, change up the music so that it was a little more calm. And then both times I received messages the next day of, yeah, I needed to go through that because man, I met with my therapist the next day. We made this huge breakthrough. Um, I was able to maybe see those Mm -hmm. patterns that I have in a more vivid way and sort of make these breakthroughs that are necessary. Well, and therapy in general is not always comfy. So it's not like this should just be like only easy only rainbows yeah because like you would hope you do if you're struggling with something dark and deep and painful you have to like attack like yeah bring it it. bring it to the surface so yeah you would expect that at some point some of these people depending on their trauma or for their their Mm -hmm. diagnosis whatever it is would maybe experience something that way but that is so cool that they both times have Mm -hmm. followed up with like I needed that. Yeah. And so we we don't like to call them negative experiences. Mm-hmm. We like to call them difficult experiences. Mm-hmm. But then you, what are you going to take from that difficult yeah. experience? Yeah. And I think you're right. Like life isn't always easy. No. Nor is therapy. It should probably be hard yeah. and uncomfortable. Yeah. That means That's you're probably you doing grow. it right. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, when I think of my life, always the difficult things that I've been through are where I developed stronger character and grew as a person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, should you be anxious throughout that? I would hope not. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes with proper education of what do you do when you get anxious during it? What do you do? You know, and did we pick the right music Mm -hmm. and did we reduce distractions and, and maybe we need to change up the dose. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Mm -hmm. things that we can do to help prevent that. Do you feel like your repeat patients that come back in for multiple treatments have different experiences every time? Or do you feel like it's the same or maybe both? Both. Yeah. I have some patients who they just experience very similar things every time. But I have other patients that it's different every time. And, and it's funny because sometimes we don't even change the dose. Oh, and they have a completely different experience. Other times we change the dose, we we alter it a little based on their past, you know, treatment, mm-hmm. and then they have a different experience. Mm-hmm. So it just depends. Interesting. Yeah. Is there any dependency? Like, are there any dependency issues mm, with ketamine? That's a good question. I think, and again, this is just kind of, we don't have enough research. From what I'm so seeing new. and in the the limited literature that I'm researching and reading no is, is kind of the soft answer there, Mm -hmm. especially when it's done in the clinical setting. I think that people come to it with the right mindset. And so they're not building this unhealthy dependence on it. They're coming with the right expectations. Mm -hmm. I, you bring up an interesting point, which I don't think we have time to really get into, <laughs> but like what is addicting and what is more habit forming? Cause mm-hmm. I've yeah. had this debate with patients even about cannabis. Yeah. Is it addicting or because of the way that you're using it, mm-hmm. is it that you've just de- depended mm-hmm. or you've built this habit and you have these unrealistic expectations of why you should use this medication and when right. you shouldn't. And so with ketamine, I think it's kind of the similar, similar. thing. Interesting. But people do use it as a club drug. Sure. They use it recreationally and 
But at that point, it's like, what else are they using? Uh, yeah, and, right. And probably in what everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you right now? Do you see mostly like a specific age group? No. Or do you see a wide variety of wide people? variety? Interesting. Okay. Wide. And That's in fun. fact, like young, young teens. Okay, so teens, young people can young, use yeah. This. Very carefully, we're very careful in how mm-hmm. we dose, or you know, we would probably assess very carefully. I'm not saying that we don't with everyone, but we right. would just take really extra, extra precautions. Caution, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have patients that are, you know, older. I don't, I don't want to yeah. like yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. That feels no. so rude, no. but, but yeah, older, <laughs> older generation and they mm, have found benefit from it as well. It's probably really, I mean, in, I think it's really cool that younger teenagers are using it. It's where so much of the new yeah. depression and everything, I mean, with social media, like in yeah, just gosh, the world yes. today, like younger people are having so many more mental health mm. issues. They really so are. So that's cool that that is an option for yeah. teenagers to try and help. Yeah. I didn't really kind of head it off at a younger age. Yeah. I possible. didn't. I don't like when I was a teen. No, I feel like we did not grapple with the same. No, no not even close. No, so sad. More and more, I have teenagers coming to me that it's like, and it's anxiety, mm-hmm. depression too, but so much, so much anxiety. anxiety. Interesting. Yeah, so it's sad. so sad. It's so sad, and I think you hit it where it's like social media oh. and the access that they have, and. Now, I do believe in depression and anxiety and stuff, of but course. it does seem to be a little. I don't want to sound like mm-hmm. uncaring, but almost like, like in vogue. Say. Yeah. Glamorized. Yes. Yes. Like it kind is. of cool to be And it's like, no. Yes. No. <laughs> Guys, it is not cool. Yes. I'm telling you. If you've been there, you don't yes. want you it. You don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> I, totally I agree sure. with you. Yeah. It is. It's kind of like, seems glamorous. Yeah. To so I, I think it's especially tricky to um, assess teens mm-hmm. because they're also in this critical area of their life where they're discovering themselves totally amidst all the wrong information that they should have access to and their mm-hmm. brain just doesn't know how to handle it yet yeah kids get off your phones yeah mm-hmm. all these parents that are coming to me they're like Tess what do I do and it's like Throw I would take away their phone mm-hmm. and a lot of them are like you're harsh <laughs> but it's like well you wanted the that's yeah, what we're yeah. seeing from the you know the research out there is just mm-hmm. when kids phones are taken away and they don't have social media they're happier because mm-hmm. they can live a present life and no one's happy when they're not in the present moment. Right. No, the future so is where anxiety is. lies so and true. the past is depression and regret. And it's like, that's true. We got to have them live way. in the present moment. It's true. So yeah. for someone who is curious, feels like after hearing this ketamine is like something that would be really beneficial to me, but like also I think I need a therapist. Yeah. And would love to like do them hand in hand. Do you help facilitate finding a yes. really good therapist for their specific needs? Like, do you direct yeah. that? Oh yes. Okay. I'm awesome. very you have good sources. <laughs> I and... do. I have therapists that I have now worked with multiple patients with them. Cool. And I know that they have gone to trainings. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's me personally. I have my own little personal network of therapists or resources, books that I have people read, podcasts I have them listen to, therapists that I refer to. But one really good resource actually um, would be maps.org. 
Let me make sure that's the right website. No, me neither. Yeah. So imagining actual maps. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To figure out how to get somewhere. mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So maps, yes, it's the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. So maps like maps.org. That's a really great website to go to because you're you're able to read all the latest research. Cool. You're able to see, um, read about different psychedelic um, substances. Mm-hmm. So that's a really excellent website. Um, Rick Doblin was the founder, and he is such an awesome advocate for psychedelic medicine. And a lot of the therapists that I refer to have done trainings through MAPS or... Um, there's another local group, Scepter, here in Salt Lake that trains kind of yeah, therapists heard. in these modalities. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would say if you are interested in doing this treatment, mm-hmm. you've got to meet with a provider who prescribes, who can do this and see if you're a good fit. And then also advocate for yourself with them to have them f- help you find mm-hmm. a therapist who is trained in psychedelic, we call it psychedelic assisted psychotherapy or with ketamine specifically it would be ketamine assisted psychotherapy or cap Mm k-a-p and i would definitely find a therapist that has that specific knowledge and training okay that's awesome i know you mentioned that so treatments are not covered by insurance no is that because of like an is well is it an fda thing is that a thing it is an fda you're okay. right yeah it is yeah FDA. and is that literally everywhere in the u.s Academy yes is not covered in the u.s okay yeah so i can't speak for other countries because the sure. fda is here in the u.s right yeah so ketamine the injected version mm-hmm. is not covered by insurance okay. okay there are other dosage forms okay so ketamine the injected so whether you get the injection or the iv is probably more of here's the medication and also we can achieve a very disassociative trance-like state, right? Mm -hmm. But the FDA actually did approve a form of ketamine that's a nasal spray Hmm. and it's called S-ketamine. And this is sort of confusing, but racemic substances like ketamine have two antimers, R and S, and they took the S version of ketamine and made it into a nasal spray. Hmm. And the FDA studied it. It's now FDA approved for treatment resistant depression and suicidal ideation just recently within Hmm. the last couple months. But why have I only been talking about the injected? Because, well, we do Spravato is what it's called. That's the inhaled version of S ketamine. It's called Spravato. That's the FDA approved. I have had patients who have had a lot of success with Spravato, hmm. but it's more time intensive. And because the S-ketamine version seems to be a little less dissociative, you're not going to have maybe as much of the trans-like exploratory mm-hmm. experience. It's more the medication in that Okay, in that Okay, way. interesting. But because the FDA is regulating this really carefully – we monitor this medication and the treatment through the REMS program and people have to come into the clinic for two hours oh, for really? one treatment. Okay. Yeah. And most of my patients just can't, can't swing that. Time, yeah. no. Especially because for the first four weeks, we have you come twice a week. So yeah. that's four that's hours a, lot of a time. week. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of time. And then 
once a week after that for another month, month and a half. So what does, so is the appointment covered by insurance, but just the actual ketamine itself not like what does someone, what could someone expect to pay per appointment? So at the clinic that I work at, when you're scheduling a ketamine appointment, so the IV or the IM injection, Mm -hmm. you are just paying a cash rate for the ketamine and that covers everything during that visit. So the provider being there, the medical assistant supporting you, um, and you're just paying for the medication itself, the service. Okay. And Right now at Cedar Psychiatry, it's $225 for one injection. Okay. Um, I know other clinics about average in the $300 or even $400 range. Hmm. That's common. So anywhere from $200 okay. up to four or $500 for one mm-hmm. injection is is what you're going to see for ketamine. Well, yeah. Do you know if people can use their HSA? Yes. Cool. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, because HSAs, to my knowledge, work like a debit card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. And so you can, right. just, you can just pay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, which helps a lot of our patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And who knows? Maybe in the future, yes. my yeah, hope is that hope. the FDA will start honoring the injected yes. version because we are having so much success. And I know other clinics across the United States are too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I hope it moves in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great also to remember that this shouldn't be, you shouldn't need this long term. Right. Like, I think people might hear that price and be like, holy um, shit. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. But hope, hopefully it makes them want to use it to their advantage too and be like, well, I'm going to get the most of this. Yeah. So let's like, and I want to get this done. Like, I want to work through this really hard thing in like four appointments. Like, yeah. It's so what else am I going to do to yes. support me mm-hmm. in doing that? Yes. I'm going to meet with a therapist. I'm going to establish mm-hmm. a good relationship with them mm-hmm. and then do ketamine. Yeah. Or I'm going to get this workbook mm-hmm. or I'm going to get that gym membership yes. or whatever it is. Yes. Like let's throw whatever we can at this while we're using this, mm-hmm. you know, option, this yeah. tool. Aren't you a big reader? Like, I don't am. you suggest reading for <laughs> yes. your clients, like good stuff yes. to read all for that. We yes. love, Huge we love reader. books, but I, I love books. that about you. Cause I know you've mentioned before that you like to push onto people certain things to yeah. read, to help them through this journey as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually have, I mean, I could list some right now. Yeah, you should just because, throw out like a few favorites. Yeah, so yeah, we can post them too. too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we should. Yeah. yeah. Let's add them to the yeah mm-hmm. to my episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, because <laughs> this is so fancy. So one of the first books that I recommend just to help people understand psychedelic medications in general. So mm-hmm. this isn't just ketamine. This would be like psilocybin or MDMA. Um, just because I feel like the author did such a good job of making it uh the knowledge very attainable mm-hmm. for everyone just the the people who did have the no audience. knowledge yeah how to change your mind by michael Pollan. and i think it's his book that really started introducing hmm. psychedelics to the world mm-hmm. i think he did such a good job um another classic is the psychedelic explorer's guide by fadiman Okay. That's another really, really good book. Love that you call them classics. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Isn't that <laughs> psychedelic classics? Yeah, psychedelic. I don't even know if that's a category. <laughs> I like it. It is. Yeah. Um, another book that I like that's more spiritual in nature mm-hmm. is Journey of Souls by Newton. 
I think that's an excellent, excellent book. Um, One of my favorite books that I use with a lot of patients who are looking to kind of use this tool for an inner awakening or almost like coming back to themselves. Like they feel like, man, I'm just so off kilter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Life has really thrown me some curveballs and I just don't feel like myself Mm -hmm. is The Bonds That Make Us Free by C. Terry Werner. That is one of, in fact, I should have mentioned that one first, even though it's not a psychedelic focus book Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for personal self mastery. I have not found a really? book that you I like. Really, a lot of people yeah, that will want to read that. Yeah, I yeah. want to. Now, I will put a disclaimer. He is religious, okay. and it does talk about God. And so with some of my patients who don't have that belief, mm-hmm. and like, if that offends you, we may want to find something, something else. Mm-hmm. But if you can get past that, the concepts that are in that book are some of the most powerful. Because some people, I mean, if you can like, take god out of it and think mm-hmm. of like source or yes. universe uh, yeah or whatever light. and replace it with mm-hmm. something yes. else yeah then yes yeah if it's like just good just good, really good, good stuff, reading yeah like benefit yes. my life in a thousand ways yeah exactly okay. and that's what i tell people is take what you want from it leave what you don't behind mm-hmm. but if it's if it has concepts that can help you on your journey to becoming a better version of yourself then i'm all for it yeah absolutely. And Let's all be a little less offended about oh people talking please. about their we beliefs. Talk about this. We do. We talk about this a lot. Yeah. We're, we're, big, we're big God fans. Yeah. Here, we so yeah. love God. We yeah. chat all the time. We do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have my own spiritual and religious beliefs, and that is something that, like, I can't imagine living life without mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah. 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 Before we finish, I wanted to just lightly mention, because we're going to have you on for something else yes. coming up, but... You also are a medicinal marijuana provider. Yes, that's what we call you medical yes. cannabis <laughs> provider. <laughs> yeah, I think the correct lingo is a qualified medical provider. Okay. QMP. Love that. Yes. Yeah, sounds official. Which means you can prescribe medical a medical cannabis. card yeah. for those who want to use it in therapeutic ways, right? Yes. Yes, so I can. Amazing. It is amazing. And we should totally talk about oh, that. Yeah, we we'll talk whole about episode it. We because do. that is especially in Utah. But I even think ketamine could be lumped into this that like people hear these words of these medications mm-hmm. or these substances and they immediately and it's bad. It's bad. They close bad. off. It's addictive. Bad. It's bad. It can't yeah. help. It's wrong. Yeah. So I'm hoping that people hearing about ketamine through this episode are their minds are already opened. And then when you're back on talking about know, cannabis, I would love it's that. gonna blow people's minds. Yeah. Well, we have to. And yes. I think, you know, I can actually reiterate like what you're saying because even for myself, mm-hmm. I know that the knowledge that I had or the version of myself even four or five years ago mm-hmm. probably would have been a little closed off to mm-hmm. these types of things. Yeah. Well, it's new. It's so new. New things can be scary. They're scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and man, we could talk about this one for a long time, <laughs> but I think back in the 50s, 60s, all drugs were lumped into one bag and then thrown out the window and mm-hmm. like, well, they're all bad. Yep. Drugs are bad. The D.A.R.E. program. I mean. Totally. Totally. We, yes. all, we all know the Dare. song. Yeah. We all know the song. I, I don't remember about. the song. Oh, just me? <laughs> okay. Well, we'll Wait, sing, do sing we get to hear it later? 
that. <sighs> too scary? Too scared to sing it? Too scared. Okay. Sorry, too listeners, scared. you don't get to hear her sing the song. Dang it. <laughs> too chicken. But, you know, and good intentions were had there. For sure. Right? Mm. They're trying to keep people safe. But I think because of those different lenses, people just put all of substances yeah. in one container. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. No. And I... Me personally, with how much benefit I've had with my patients with medical cannabis, I'm like, I don't view it really that much differently than SSRIs or obviously I use it in different ways, Mm -hmm. but all I'm saying is it's a tool that works on receptors in the brain the same way that medications that you would get from a pharmacy um, work. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead, yeah. it comes from the ground. Yeah. And with, so, like, less scary side effects. I often, <laughs> oftentimes, yeah. And I yeah. think you're speaking from, per, like, not yeah. personal experience, but uh-huh. you have people in your life who have benefited from cannabis. Totally. And so you're like, hey, this has been a it's great like thing for them. It's, blowing Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we're excited. I can't wait to talk about, about it. Good episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. Yes. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. We've learned. I've learned a so lot. So much. I'm so glad. People's minds are going to be blown. I know. Um, Julie, do you want to ask her? We didn't even tell you we have we have a question we ask all of our. We do. Oh my guests. gosh, I love this. Yes. I'm getting sweaty. Yes, you should. You should be because <laughs> it'll be sweaty. Okay, it will. We like to make people brag when they come on here, so you get oh. you have to brag about yourself. Oh my gosh, so, which is uncomfy. That's no. hard for me. Yes. So, what makes you special or unique in your field or stand out oh. in general? Yeah, like what do you think makes you? different and Mm. makes you the Mm -hmm. best (laughs) that is such a that's a good question you guys you know it's funny when you asked me if I would be interested on Mm -hmm. being on your podcast Mm -hmm. I remember thinking me and I think I even messaged you and I was like well what about the psychiatrist that I know or this other therapist you were like trying to bring other people in and I'm like no we just actually actually we want you you know so I I think it's easy and maybe I'm, I'm assuming I'm not the only one that often feels like an imposter oh, all no. the time. Like, I'm Always. sure you guys felt that way yes. when you started your podcast. You're like, oh, yes. are we going to have still to do? Still do. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. But I think, I think one thing that I know about myself is that I've always really given a damn about mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. That from a very young age, I was the one, uh, you know taking care of my older siblings. My mom was working. She was in grad school. My dad was often gone working long Mm -hmm. hours. And so I've always been a nurturer Mm -hmm. and I may not know everything. I mean, I could probably study psychiatry for the rest of my life and read every book and still only know a fraction of the psyche and Mm -hmm. like people's minds or how to help them. But I really do give a damn and yeah. I will fight for my patients and I will message them resources mm-hmm. and really, really care. And so, yeah, I may not know everything, but I really care so deeply for my patients. And I think um, maybe that's what sets me apart from other providers. Yeah. Sure. I, I would say so. That's yeah. something we really advocate, like advocate mm-hmm. for people to advocate for 
for themselves mm-hmm. and to find yeah. a provider who will advocate for you as well. Yeah. That really like cares about you. Yes. Cares. Yeah. Like the fact that you say you're sending people resources, Ugh. like you're messaging that, like the fact that your <laughs> patients and clients are messaging you, like being like, this is what I'm feeling. And you're having conversations with them when you're not working. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And that's, and you know, so I've had to learn like, where am I going to hold up boundaries? Mm. And then mm-hmm. how can I show up as this person and in, in what way? Mm-hmm. So that's been a learning experience for me. And, but I can really, you know, it really does come back to my parents. My mom was this psychologist who was always pushing, um, caring and serving for other people. And then my dad was an incredibly hard worker and always there for people. And so I feel blessed that I had parents who kind of instilled that in me and that through school and working with my patients, I've been able to actually say, yeah, that is a strength of mine and I can appreciate that. And that's recent. Yeah. It's it's hard to talk about your strengths and mm-hmm. say, well, maybe that's a skill that I have and it's okay to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels yeah. good. It does. Mm-hmm. It feels a little weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm practicing still. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was a great question. Okay. And just one more time for those who want to meet with you. Yeah. What is the best way to find you specifically? Mm-hmm. Funny. Well, you can go to psychologytoday.com. Okay. And type in Tessa Hamilton. Um, and that is probably the best way to find okay. phone number and okay. really contact me. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So great. Well, thank you again. Thank you. It's so been fun. So fun. It's been you. so fun. <laughs> <laughs>